If you would like to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Reverend Love, when he was here preaching a revival, he talked about getting big. I like that. He uses a lot of acronyms. And big means, according to Reverend Love, better in God. And so the theme and the way that we're looking at 1 Corinthians, say, well, seems like it's a lot of correction to the Corinthian church. There's a lot of correction until we get up into heaven, and then there's going to be correction up in heaven. Do you know what the Bible says? Know ye not that ye shall judge angels. That means that Gabriel and Michael might not be getting along, and so the Christian's going to be there to settle a dispute, right? So we're going to be getting corrected and learning. So we want to look at 1 Corinthians, which deals with Christian life. It's your Christian walk. But we want to look through the filter of develop, developing, growing. And I really believe that 2022, it's been a crazy last, what, two and a half years, whatever. Felt like you were in a dishwasher and didn't know what was going on. Masks or no masks? And uh, so some people need masking tape, right? You know that uh, they say silence is golden, but duct tape is silver, right? So, but now it seems like we're coming out of, you know, and I wouldn't say we're going back, we're going forward, okay? The, so I want it to go back to the way that it was. It's not going to go back to the way that it was. It's going to be different. We need to go forward. And in our lives, in God, we need to constantly develop as we go forward. And uh, I, I uh, was sharing earlier my friends have a couple of teslas and i was driving one and i I didn't even know how to open the door i mean i've been driving a car for 30 years but you don't open the door in a tesla it gives you a warning if you open a door like i open a door like with the handle thingy it gives you a warning that you'll damage the door hope my friend's not listening to this because that's what i did just with the handle but you're supposed to press a button but nobody tells you these things And if you want to turn on the heat, there's no heat button. It's on some screen that you can't find. What do you need to do? Develop. You know, you constantly need to develop, okay? And in God, too, we need to constantly develop our lives. And, uh, you know, that's why you should wear glasses while you're doing math. You know that? Wear glasses. It helps division. That was bad, right? I got another one. My wife and I, we met on a, a like an internet dating site. We just clicked. So this guy was going to become a vegetarian, but he did because he realized it was a big missed steak. <laughs> so in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, the Bible says that a merry heart do it good like a medicine. And we need to laugh, you know, and laughing at ourselves is one of the best things we can do. In chapter 2, Paul is working to show how to correct the thinking pattern that really got the Corinthians off track. So this church in ancient Greece had a Greek thinking pattern and they had all this philosophy and all these other things. Well, the philosophy of Aristotle and Plato, it wasn't God-centric. It was man-centric and it, it wasn't perfect wisdom. So 
it had caused them to be divided and some of the church members had their favorite preacher and everybody was doing kind of their own thing. So in chapter one, if you go back, God, uh, through Paul, began to preach about being united. Well, in chapter two, he deals with some of the wisdom of God. And I basically, if you want to understand what the whole thing is about, it wraps up in being about God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. So we want to look at three things. First, verses one to verse five, developing content. That's one of the things that Paul shares. This is what I came to preach. So we're developing. So let's develop. So content over image. You know, a lot of people, they have image, but no real content. They have a spiel, right? You know, they're trying to sell you something or they're trying to, and they'll, they'll have this convincing argument, but that's not why Paul came to preach the gospel. It wasn't to try to convince them of his way of thinking or to be some great orator, a good, you know, someone gives a speech and you're like, wow, that guy was a good speaker. That was not why Paul came. He came to preach the truths of the gospel. And, you know, people sometimes have an image, but you find out down the road, that their character was not really their image, right? And, you know, there's a difference between character and reputation, right? Reputation is what people say you are. Character is what you are. So, preacher, what do I do about my reputation? Well, I believe if you take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. And, you know, there's always going to be people that say things against you. But you know what? As a Christian, I believe we just need to focus on having our life right with God. And the rest of this stuff, it'll work out. It'll work out. Verse 1. And I, brethren, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. He didn't come with some high-pressure sales tactic, right? You ever gone to buy something and say, what do we have to do to make a sale today, right? It's this high pressure. And they want you to say yes. And every angle is trying to... Paul said, I didn't come that way. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That seems like a pretty sorry thing to preach, right? That's all you've got is Christ and him crucified about a guy that went and died on the cross. How's that going to convince anyone of anything? Well, it convinced me to change my life. When someone preached about the cross and you know that a lot of times there's so many gimmicks, but the gimmicks don't get people saved. Only the preaching of the cross. It says in the Gospels, Jesus said, I, even I, if I be lifted up. And he was talking about his crucifixion, but if he was exalted on the cross, he said, I will draw all men. It's a, it's a worldwide message of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and, uh, and him crucified. And that Paul said, that's all I preached was Christ and the cross. Have you ever heard of that new restaurant named Karma? No, there's no menu. You just get what you deserve, right? So, but Christianity's not like that. There's a lot of religions like that. You get what you deserve. But Christianity is the opposite of that. We get God's grace. 
So grace and mercy, they're similar, but they're not the same thing. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Thank God for the grace of God, right? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. My daughter, when we used to correct her when she was younger in a certain way, she saw it coming and she said, Daddy, I want mercy. And a lot of times when she asked for it, you know what happened? I gave it to her. And if that contriteness said preacher, but she playing you, guess what? Uh, Do we play God? I, I believe, honestly, we've asked for mercy for God. And you know what? Just like I need mercy, I want to give my daughter mercy. You know, God, I don't want God to give me a spanking. You know what? God's got a bigger hand, okay? And God knows right where to smack. He only needs one hit, right? But God gives mercy. So the preaching of Jesus Christ is really what men and women are looking for. And the Bible says in verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. The Bible says, Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. You know, Paul identified with the church. He didn't come in, you know, with some great splendor and a big, and a big uh, you know, uh, train of all of these, uh, you know. You can tell when there's like a rock star or someone. They've got all these people like surrounding them. And I remember when I was at a hotel in South Africa, this car pulled up. And before it even stopped, the doors were opening and the bodyguards were getting out. You know, it's, it was like the movies. And I don't know who the guy was or the lady was, but... Before the car even stopped, the doors were popping open and guys were getting out. And all I remember was one dude like sprained his ankle because, you know, he tried to get out. Like, no! And so, you know what? Paul didn't come in with a big entourage, right? It was just Paul preaching Christ. And he was identifying with the church. Jesus didn't come with all his angels. He was born in Bethlehem. It was a humble message. The wisdom of God is humble. The Bible said in much trembling, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Again, he wasn't just trying to sell you Jesus. But in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that's gospel preaching, okay? When, when the, the man or the woman is up there giving God and women can preach too, okay? So whoever's preaching God's word, the spirit of God begins to demonstrate the power of God as the preacher is preaching the word of God. And I remember my friend came to the service, a service um, in Washington State. And we're walking out of the church. And he said something like, he said, man, there were a thousand people in service, right? He goes, man, that was just for me. You know what that was? It was just for me too. But it was the demonstration of the spirit and of power. It wasn't up there someone giving like a car sales or real estate pitch or something like that. But it was the very power of God that really got to him. And you know that that's what the gospel shows. It shows how Jesus died on the cross. That man had nothing to do with it. It's not a man. It's not a message from man. It's a message from God. And that's why when you preach, sometimes people don't like what, because it gets down where we live at, right? But it's from God. It's not a man-made message. It's not Greek wisdom. It's not someone with, you know, pulling their beard going, hmm, hmm. That's not what the message of the cross is. It's very simple. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Who did it? Jesus. 
his own self. That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now, where are man's fingerprints in that? They're nowhere, right? Jesus did everything. I remember when I was in Bible school, they, they, it was a trick question. You got to watch trick questions in Bible school. So if anyone of you go to Bible school, you'll know that this might be a trick question. And the, the, the teacher said, how many of you got someone saved? You know, how many of you got someone saved? You know, before you came to Bible school, there's like a few people raised their hands. <laughs> the way that he put it, like how many? And he's like, you didn't get anyone saved. You know, if anyone got saved, Jesus saved them. He said, well, the preacher got this many. The preacher didn't save anybody. He preached the, the gospel. But if someone got saved... They were reacting to the information that the preacher gave and only Christ could impart salvation. Man's fingerprints aren't on it. It's all glory to God. And that's what Paul was saying. And the reason Paul did this, he didn't come to be convincing. He said in verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, if someone can convince you to serve God, Someone can convince you not to serve God. If it's just like, uh, you know, I'm going to convince this person to go to Dunkin' Donuts instead of Starbucks. Oh, okay. You know, I'm going to go there. And then I'm going to convince you to go back to Starbucks. Come back. You know, if you don't go to it, you've got an app on your phone, you don't go for a while, they'll start to send you like emails. We miss you. Come back. Here's a coupon. Why? They want to convince you. But if you made up in your mind that you do something because it works for you, you don't need convincing, right? I don't need to be convinced to wear pants when I walk out. My wife says, did you wear your pants? You have pants on? No, I put pants on, right? When I walk outside the door, I don't need my daughter to say, daddy, daddy pants, remember? You know, but a lot of people, we, we, they need to be convinced of something. And you know what? They might be coming to a, a church because they have like a, a good this or a good that or a good preacher or a good this. But are they really coming? Where is their faith? Is it wrapped up in a man or a woman? Or is it wrapped up in the cross? And Paul, he said, I didn't want to convince you to become a Christian so that someone could unconvince you. He said, I wanted your faith to stand. In the power of God. You know that I'm thankful. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians, having done everything, stand. You know that that's what God wants us to do. How? We got to take the whole armor of God. God wants us to put everything on. And really the armor of God is Jesus Christ. It's different aspects of Jesus Christ. And you can check it out in Ephesians chapter 6. But verses 6 to 8 is to develop discernment. God begins to share about godly wisdom in verses 6 to 8. And uh, this guy said, I, I got fired from my job at the bank. It was my first day, and this older gentleman came in. He said, I, can you help me check my balance? And I said, yeah, and I, and I pushed him over. Uh, preacher. This man said, he said, he said, he's getting a job, and he said, I, you have any conditions that I suffer from kleptomania? He said, kleptomania? He said, yeah, but I'm... I'm taking things for it. So. You know, kleptomaniacs do not get any puns. They take things so literally, right? <laughs> but anyway, so the Bible says, verse 6, How be it 
We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, mature. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. You know, some of the wisdom of this world, it comes to nothing. And it, it, you know, not to offend anybody, but you know that you hear about it. People talk about this workout program or this type of eating. Well, I only eat vegan or I only eat meat that was processed kosher or I only eat good for you. But food is not moral. Jesus said it comes out in the draft, you know, and the, the body is purged of all meats. But, you know, where does this wisdom of healthy eat now look healthy eating is okay you know but it's not a religion because it comes to what well if i eat uh you know the all vegetarian vegan whatever what will what what good will it do me in a hundred years <laughs> it'll come to naught well if i use your savings program and i make a million dollars what's good what's going to happen in a hundred years It'll come to naught. Why? We're going to die. So the wisdom of this world, all of the things, and they might have benefits, but all of the wisdom of this world is going to expire when we do. So the wisdom that Paul said is what you've got to do is you've got to focus on God. Now, a healthy diet, you know, that you've got to take care of your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm not against them people being healthy. But we have to realize that when we, uh, when we preach, we need to preach Christ and not like, you know, some kind of like workout program. Have you ever seen the, the Lord's Gym? It's a t-shirt and it's like Jesus like bench pressing the cross or he's like, you know, it's like that's, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus' main mission, okay? And if that's the case, Jesus died on the cross. So we don't want to go to the Lord's Gym. It's like get crucified, okay? But the Lord... His wisdom is in a crucifixion of ourself and accepting what he did to forgive our sins. That's the only wisdom that will last into eternity. The Bible says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It wasn't revealed until Jesus was crucified. It says, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I don't think they would have been out there saying, come down from the cross, if they really knew that this was the only way that we could obtain salvation. In fact, growing up, I saw no significance in the cross. I just, I went to church I wouldn't say that I disbelieved that there was a God. I thought there was a God. Jesus seemed like a nice guy. But I never understood that the only way to heaven was through accepting what Jesus... I never understood that. I never under... I thought education. I thought, you know, being a good person. But those were things of wisdom that would come to naught. And I'm thankful that God showed me another wisdom. It was the wisdom that God gives. It's peaceable it's gentle and it comes, the Bible says in the book of James, up from heaven. Wisdom. Verses 9 to 15. Developing things. There's lots of things that God talks about in verses 9. Well, we'll go all the way to 16. So, uh, this guy said, you know, I saw an ad for burial plots. Have you ever seen an ad for burial plots? No? He said, I don't really care. He said, it's the last thing I need. 
9, verse 9. Things prepared by God. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. First we see that there are things that God's prepared. It's interesting. Prepared for who? For them that love him. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. God has prepared things for those that love him. You know, I do that sometimes with my wife. You know, I try to, you know, put like a, you know, a present in her purse or um, make a coffee for her or do something. Why? Because I love her. I like to surprise her. I like to prepare things for her. You know that, uh, same with my daughter. Give her a latte in the morning. You let your child drink coffee? Yes. It's the same caffeine as soda, okay? But because I love her. So they don't deserve it. We don't, none of us deserve a latte. Thank God that we have lattes, right? But God has prepared things for you that love him. And the Bible says you can't even understand what he has prepared. It says, it says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. I mean, it's, we're not talking about lattes. We're talking about like a mansion in glory. We're talking about an eternity serving God. Can you, now Teslas are cool, but can you imagine what we're going to be driving up there? God rides like this, this Harley with eyes and everything. Read Ezekiel chapter one. God, it's like God's like personal portable Harley machine thing. I don't know. Do we all get one of those? But it says, I have not seen. This is talking about the rewards in heaven that are prepared for us. I don't really just believe that it's things that are down here. Like, I want a new house. Well, praise God. But you know what? That's going to come to what? It's going to come to naught. And your kids are going to fight over it if they don't agree, right? It's like, oh, I can't wait. Can't wait till daddy goes. I'm going to get my 30% or my 50%. But you know that God has prepared things in the next world for those that love him. And he said, I like this. It says, but God... The next things of verse 10, the deep things of God. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. The word of God and the spirit of God reveals things that man can't give you. And it says, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Have you ever heard? So I was listening to this podcast and this man was talking about Jesus and, and some things from the Bible. And there was a lady listening. And the lady's an accomplished lady. Uh, but... Uh, he said something and she did this. She goes, mm. Have you ever heard someone do that? They're like, mm. When you hear something deep and it kind of goes down inside, like if you, you've ever made Kool-Aid, you put all that, that sugar in there in the bottom, like 14,000 cups of sugar. I mean, it's disgusting, right? And, and, and you try to, you get that like wooden spoon and you got to slow, you know, you, you just can't stir it very fast to start. When God begins to stir our soul deep down, we go, mm. and the spirit searches the deep things of God, not just man's heart, but God's heart. And that's the things that God wants to do with us. When you pray, God can open up something in your heart 
that you've never heard before. And it might be our own personal life. You see, as we walk with God, God gets more personal to us. In Psalm 119, there's like three verses of scripture. I, I just want to look, I just want to, I want you to notice the, uh, the, uh, the pronouns, okay? Verses, it's uh, chapter 119 and verses three, four, and five. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. That's the third person, they. Verse four, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Now you've got first person plural, right? Us. Then you go to verse five. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes first person. You know, the word of God is like that. As you walk with God, it goes from they to us and then it gets more personal, right? It's me. And that's, that can be deep when God begins to deal with you directly on a person-to-person basis because God loves every little thing about our life. The word of God becomes more personal as we read and as we walk with him. So verse 11, the things of man and the things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So we have how man finds out about the things of God. So how do I find out about the things of God? It says, what man knoweth the things of man? The only one that really knows you is you. So a preacher, my wife knows me. <laughs> I know my wife. <laughs> That's good, right? You think you do until you mess up and like, honey, I don't like that. Thought you, I've been doing that for 20 years, but I don't like that, right? Because you don't know. A psychiatrist, a doctor, they can try to analyze someone and make a best guess, right? But only the spirit of man. You know what a psychiatrist does? They actually get you talking. And then I I went and sat on a psychiatrist's couch when I was a teenager. You know what they do? They ask you questions and they get you to talk. You have all the answers. And they get you to do all this and they're like, ah. And they have a different perspective. So they're writing all this stuff down. And, uh, but they're just getting it from you because the spirit of man is the only one that knows the man. And the spirit of God is the only one that knows God. So how are we going to know God? We have to know God through his Spirit. So if you want to know God, you have to have the Spirit of God in you because the Spirit of God is the only one that knows God. And He searches the deep things of God. And you get the Spirit of God when you get saved. You have to, otherwise you're none of His, right? If you don't have the Spirit of God. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there's a difference between salvation. Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? After you believe. So you get dunked. Baptism means to get dunked in. You know, you can have a little bit of spirit in you. When you get saved, you get a measure of the spirit. But then if you get something dunked in it, like a cookie dunked in milk, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you just get the Holy Ghost all over you. And that is what gives you the uh, connection with understanding God's wisdom through his spirit. Verse 13, verse 12. These are things that are freely given by God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, and he's talking about worldly wisdom, 
but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You know, you can't buy things of God. They're too expensive. That's bad news, okay? Can I, how much for salvation? Can't buy it. How much for the baptism of the Holy Ghost? A man actually did that in the book of Acts. His name was Simon. He's going, I'll give you money. I want to I wanna baptize people with the Holy Ghost. And you know what Peter said? Your money perish with thee. You thought that you could buy the gift of God. You can't. But the good news is it's a gift. They're freely given to us of God. Salvation's a gift. The Holy Ghost is a gift. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I was talking to someone just the other day. I said, all you have to do is say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost and then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to sweat bullets and, you know, and stay up and crawl on your knees through broken glass. You don't have to earn these things. Christ sent it for the church. Him, the baptism isn't it, but the Holy Spirit is a him that we may receive power and be witnesses unto Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Oh, I'm out of time. Three quick verses. Spiritual things. Verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Have you ever had people try to compare apples to oranges? You know, spiritual and carnal aren't the same thing, right? You got to keep it on the same wavelength. Verse 14, the things of the spirit of God, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And you know that People, they, they, you know, you're wasting your time going to church. You're wasting all that money going to church. Look, I'll save you money on going to the bar. I remember when I went to the bar, I remember buying a beer or no, lick it, slam it, suck it. It was uh, tequila for a guy I didn't even know. He's like, man, man, hit him up, hit him up. And I didn't even ask how much this stuff was. I was just buying it. I was 18, but in Hong Kong, they, that's the drinking age, right? So... Preacher, you did that? I did all kinds of stuff. But, but I, I thought going to church was foolishness. But you know what? I realized, oh, I'm thinking the wrong way. And you know what? I needed a dip. It said, be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I needed the Spirit in my life. And thank God, the Spirit has saved me a lot of money. <laughs> and the Spirit has uh, given me a lot of wisdom. Verse 15, two more verses. All things, but he that is spiritual. No, have you ever heard say, oh, that Christian is being judgy. Don't judge. He that is spiritual, judge it. What? Jesus didn't say that. No, Paul said that. <laughs> he that is spiritual, judge it all things. You means you're not condemning someone, but you have to make a decision. That's right, that's wrong. Why? It's the spirit that says it. Yet he himself is judged of no man. Uh, well, Jesus didn't say to judge. Okay, so yes, he did. John chapter 7 and verse 24. Judge not according to appearance. Okay? But judge, Jesus said this, righteous judgment. I know what people get into that they judge someone incorrectly, right? And that's, we, that's wrong. Christians aren't supposed to do that. Um, but if the Bible says something is right, the Bible makes the judgment. I'm just agreeing with the Bible. I, I'm, I'm living with my girlfriend, but we love, we, we think we're married. We, look, I'm not judging you, but the Bible says that's fornication, okay? 
I, I, I'm not judging. The Bible is. So that's what Jesus said. Don't judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Make a decision. Have you ever heard about the one with the beam in his eye and the guy with the moat in his eye? Shows we're not supposed to judge. But we are. We're just not supposed to be hypocrites. So Jesus said, why behold this in Luke chapter 6, verse 41? Why beholdest thou the moat? That, that's a little speck of dust, right? That is in thy brother's eye. But perceivest not the, the beam, the telephone pole, right? You've got bigger problems than your brother. That is in thine own eye. I don't know how it's possible to have a telephone pole in your eye. He said beam, right? Like a two by four in your head, right? And Jesus said, either how canst thou say to thy brother, brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye. When thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye. And then go on your way? No, there's more. And then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the moat, the imperfection in that brother's eye. Have you ever done that before? I used to work with tile and I was a guy, I think he might have been from Cuba. He got a piece of uh, tile in his eyeball and it was a moat. It was a little piece of tile. And he goes, he couldn't really speak any English, but he was an awesome stone guy. And he goes up to me, he like has me come up there and he like points to his eye. And I thought about the scripture, right? And he's got, it's right in his eyeball, right? Where you can damage the eye. And he, he put his finger in his white t-shirt and basically motioned for me to, to, to get it out. You know, you just take your t-shirt and you just kind of touch it. And let me tell you, when you're trying to help someone, you're very careful, right? And I, you know, by the grace of God, we got the thing out. But you know, if you're trying to help someone develop in their life, you don't come up there and just, you know, grab it with some dirty hands or whatever. Because you'll hurt them, right? You want to help them. And that's why Jesus talked about it like this. So we've got to judge righteous judgment. And you know what? I don't want to be anti-something as much as I want to be pro-something. So preacher, are you against this? No, I'm for Jesus. <laughs> I'm for Jesus Christ, not so much against anything. I want to be for what God's word says. Amen. And so the last thing, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? <laughs> no one, right? Only the spirit of God. But we have the mind of Christ. So I went over a few minutes, but brethren, having the mind of Christ and God's way of thinking will revolutionize everything about our lives and will help us develop every part of our lives. At this time, Brother David, would you dismiss us in prayer? God bless you is our prayer. Oh, dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together this evening for, to listen to your word as pastor preached and taught us with your wisdom. Dear Jesus, I pray that you bring each and every one of us back to our houses safely tonight until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.